Thanks for listening to our podcast today. This is episode number three of the Rise Up Mentoring Podcast. Who's ever listening to this podcast, man? I'm like, man, he sucks. I don't even know how he graduated. But uh, I studied for three days straight and earned an F. I mean, I earned that F. I worked hard. 72 hours straight for that F. And I like cried myself to sleep uh, when I got home to my apartment. Rise Up Mentoring was created to help students get the advice and encouragement they need to successfully graduate and prepare for their careers and life overall. Listen to the conversations of students and successful mentors to become the best version of you. Get the helpful advice that everyone else seems to already have and that you wish someone would have shared with you. Welcome back for another great episode. My mentee co-host today is Kai Young, a freshman at Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia, wanting to save the world. My mentor and co-host today is Prince Gamage of Fresno, Texas. He is originally from Riviera Beach, Florida, and is a hard-working member of corporate America that graduated from Florida A&M University. He works for Lionel Bissell Industries, is a licensed commercial real estate agent, and is the father of a brand new baby girl. With the goal of becoming a millionaire by the time he turns 40, Mr. Prince Gamage has had to learn how to manage his time and be disciplined. Get encouraged by a pair that has the same questions as you and a mentor that has walked in your shoes. Let's see what nuggets of wisdom were shared during this recent conversation. My name is Norman Brown, your host of the Rise Up Mentoring Podcast. As I got older, I've heard the stating uh, for every credit hour you have, multiply that by three. And so that's how many hours you need to devote a week. So if you have a 12-hour schedule, you need to be committed 36 hours a week uh, to school. Now, I didn't know the actual timetable for it, but ever since I stepped on campus, my mentality has been, hey, I'm a student. What is the core of a student? It's to study, to be studious. And so I made sure that I would take as much time as possible to devote to that. And actually, at the time, my girlfriend, she would joke, um, I would always study. I didn't go to parties. The only thing I would um, break time for was like Dragon Ball Z. So even though it's popular now, it's been out all that time, like since the 90s. Um, but I would watch Dragon Ball Z and every night I would go to bed at 10 o'clock. So I could wake up early, fresh to study again. Uh, now, what I would have done with every goal and with every vision, you need to quantify it. So I don't know if I was devoting 40 hours each week, but I made sure that I would carve out time as soon as I got home from my classes to study up to 10 o'clock and then go to bed so I can be fresh the next day. So what did what did a day look like for you? Day typically went uh, from 8 o'clock. My first class was physics, like my very first semester. Um, and that was 8 up until 3, I believe, around that time. And so we actually had uh, tutoring because we had the NASA scholars. Actually, NASA space program paid for my education for undergrad. And so if needed, I would go there to receive any tutoring for my courses and then go home. And, you know, I was all blewed up all through high school. So, that, I mean, high school and college, that tended to take up some of my, my free time. As I'm talking to Kai, that she needs to be studious. I'm guilty, you know. <laughs> You're setting a good example now. Yes, yes. And, you know, one thing about time management and priorities, even something as, as this, I used to think, because I was on a scholarship, 
So I know at times people will be tired. They didn't feel like going to classes. I had three close friends of mine. They were all in the Marching 100 at FAM. We all came from the same high school. We were in the marching band. Out of the four, I was the only one that chose not to engage in it because they would clash with engineering. Well, I was stopped by at 7 in the morning, stopped by the dorms to see him on my way to class, and he just started skipping classes because he had just got back in town from an out-of-town trip with the band like 6.30 that morning. So he's wiped out. And so for the longest, until I started getting a little cocky, like my junior, senior year, I wouldn't miss a class. The reason I felt that, because I'm like, I'm getting paid as a scholarship, so now, you know, I'm losing money in the aspect of I'm skipping classes. Like, I'm getting paid each day to be in these classes. So I kind of treated myself as an employee. I didn't want to cheat the system. So I made sure when I was sick, when I was tired, whatever it may be, always be in a class be in the front row in that T-zone, you know, the first two rows, and then in alignment with the the professor and his side of view. Um, and so my main priority was, for me, the help with priority was drive. Came from a single-parent household, uh, four kids. I knew my mom couldn't afford for me to go to college. I was the first one, so that's why I got the scholarships, and I was the first one if I would graduate on time to actually go to college and finish. I had others go before me, my uncles and cousins, but they would drop out the first semester or drop out the first year. And so I just wanted to make sure that I had so much fervor to finish and prove everybody wrong. That's why I really didn't play around uh, with my education. I had friends from high school every weekend and they're driving back to Palm Beach, where I'm from, to show their FAMU apparel, so they can show the seniors at that time, oh, we're here with college students, but I never engaged with that. And they would actually like, would mock me and say, man, all you do is study as a running joke. But out of that group, I'm the only one to graduate on time. I actually had a guy who graduated in 99. I know him since I was in middle school. He graduated two years before me in high school because he went to the same middle school, high school, and college. So he graduated in 99. I graduated in 01. I graduated undergrad in 05. And it took him six years to get his degree, and he left two years before me. So actually, it took longer because in 05, he was still, he still didn't graduate. So it actually took him longer than six years. So he actually spent six years of tuition and six years of room and board as well, right? Um, Well, not really room and board because he stayed off campus. But, yeah, you know, rooming is sensitive. Yeah. So he wasted a lot of money, you know, but I think that was tied up in – his whole thing was extracurricular activities, and I had nothing against that. You know, I was in a, a dance troupe, uh, Strikers. I was in an organization, Progressive Black Men, but I didn't allow that to take over my life. And these individuals, the March 100 is very taxing. They were in it. Nothing against, I'm not trying to smash, you know, or, or, or drag them through the dirt, but I'm just saying some people, that's the only reason why they went up to FAM, just to get involved in the organization. So I think folks can probably figure it out from you saying the Marching 100. But what exactly is the Marching 100? Marching 100 is FAMU's notorious marching band. You know, they've been involved with presidential inaugurations. They performed at the Super Bowl with Prince. Um, probably been in some commercials as well. It's just, you know, when you go to any university or any high school, you either have a band school or you have a football school. Well, FAMU, we've never had the best football team. So all of our resources went into the band. And a lot of people, when we were in middle school and high school in Palm Beach, we idolized them and Bethune-Cookman. Because like, those were the two things we've always saw and those were the things we emulated. And our 
marching bands when we were kids. Okay, cool. So, Miss Kai, you've been in there for six weeks now. Oh, wow. And um, after six weeks, you got it all figured out? No, absolutely not. <laughs> far, far from figuring out. I was taking notes on Mr. Prince's uh, experience in college. So, very far from figuring it out. So, do your professors know you on a first-name basis? No, they do not. And do they see you outside of class time? Do they see me outside of class time? Yes, they do. In their offices? In their offices? No. Okay. Like, in the hallway or anything, I'll ask them a quick question about the homework or the assignments and stuff like that. But, no, I do not go to a lot of office hours. I go to uh, tutoring sessions. So what helped me in undergrad and even in grad school, when I had a class, when that class ended, that professor knew I'm following him to his, his office. And we're going to hang out at least 30 minutes because I'm, I want to discuss some issues while it's fresh in my mind. A lot of college students are like, well, this class is Monday and Wednesday. It's Monday at 8.30 in the morning. I'll work on this Tuesday night before the next morning. And no, I didn't want to do that. And so it's more than just an academic reputation that you're gaining with him. But subconsciously, you're showing the mission, which is going to translate when you actually go into the workforce of corporate America. Where am I going with that? They know, okay, Kai is every or at least I have three days of classes. Two out of the three, she's there in the office with me. And actually began to have a a tolerance for your errors and aspect of well you know Kai she she did she earned a C technically on this exam but I know she must have an off week so I'm gonna give her a B or I'm gonna give her an A. I give an example in undergrad I had materials and mechanics it was like a material science course and I was always hanging out with this professor the same professor he told me blatantly in my face he was like hey you earned a B for this class. But you're always under me, so I'm going to give you an A. And so this same professor actually got me a work-study program at Florida State's National Magnetory Lab Laboratory. It's like the biggest magnet laboratory in the, in the country. And then he was also willing to set me up with experiences with Carnegie Mellon, the summer programs, all because I'm always in his office. Not just his, but each of my professors. Now let's move forward to grad school. I had one class I needed to finish to get my master's in mechanical engineering. And I'm, I'm just gonna be real, Kai, sometimes you sow seeds, you, you um, till the soil, you bust your butt, but sometimes the fruit just doesn't come out. So I bust my butt to get a D in that mm. class. I mean, I really earned that D because I worked hard to get that D. And it was the last exam, the last day of the semester, and I told the gentleman, I was like, man, I just need, your class is the only thing that's preventing me from getting a master's. And he just like said, congratulations, you got a master's. Um, he actually gave me a B in the course because that's what I needed to actually get my, my grad degree. And so I'm saying that your priorities lie in, yes, it's great to have fun. It's great to have new relationships and form friendships. But you have a job. You're a student. Your job is to study over the next Four years, and uh, Pastor has a great analogy. He talks about the the big balls in life, the large stones. He said, if you have a finite jar, you can actually fill this jar with sand, which is just fickle things, you know, watching TV, uh, just hanging out, wasting time. 
You can do uh, tiny pebbles, which are some some things that could be done that could profit you to a degree. But then you have those large stones, the things that are going to form and fashion your character that's going to truly shape your life. And he said so many times we put too much sand and small pebbles in a jar when throughout life we actually need to have these large stones. So if you understand that, then you know that will help you and drive you better in your prioritization with classes because you're going to have a lot of opportunities for activities. You're going to have a lot of opportunities to meet people. But at the end of the day, you don't want that to rob you what you really came to do. So what questions do you have for Mr. Prince? Based on what he just shared there, is there anything specific that kind of caught your attention? He was like, I want to hear more about that. So in terms of like getting to know your professor and everything, I have this one professor um, in math, um, accelerated pre-cal, and he sees math one way, his way, and his way only. But he makes the math harder than it has to be. And if we don't do it his way, he deducts points. And so how do you deal with a professor like that that sees it his way and his way only? But I'm struggling with his way because it's unnecessary. Yes. Hey, I'm actually, I really like that question. That's great. And the reason I say that is it's a parallel to life. How do you deal with a manager uh, when you're in his department and he's setting the vision for your department that you're like, this is stupid. You know, are you just going to say, hey, this, I'm not going to do it. You know, this is complicated. It's cum- cumbersome. I don't think this is the right direction to take. Um, unfortunately, you're going to run into situations like that. And so with this same professor, you don't have to deal with him for 12 to 14 weeks, you know, and you have to basically appease his ego and do it his way. You know, um, you can make a recommendation and it sounds like you've already have to say, I think there's a more efficient way to do it. But if he's not open to that, then just stroke his ego and do it his way. I've actually had people in class, um, how can I say, uh, challenge a professor. They didn't mean to, but it came off that way. They're like, hey, you know you could do it this way. And a professor, it was actually a physics two uh, class. And you have to understand, these people have actually written books, some of the same books you're studying. They've been on um, national panels. So they could be sensitive when they're challenged. And this same professor, he took a moment in the class to address this person in front of everybody. He said, look, I'm smarter than the book. Don't question the way I'm about to do this. So now, as you can see, that's already damaged the relationship between that professor and that student. Uh, I don't want you to actually end up making enemies in your department, but just know you don't have to do it forever. You just have to learn how people work and what's the best way to make them happy. Um, Norman, who's my mentor, does a fantastic job with that. There's plenty of people that we talk about, well, not talk about, speak of offline. So he's like, I don't even know why we're doing it this way, but I know how to position myself to be his number one guy because I'm actually supporting his vision. Does that make sense? That makes sense, but with this <laughs> professor, you know, I still ask questions. I still I go to his office hours, and you and in class, you know, we ask, uh, most people don't understand him. Half of the class doesn't understand him. They can't follow him because he's not a good explainer. And so we ask questions, and 
the other day, I guess he kind of got mad because we were asking so many questions. And he like he basically told us like to stop asking questions. But we were kind of confused because it's like, you know, we are paying fifty thousand dollars to go here and you're not willing to answer the question that we have as a whole. Because not all of us can make it to office hours and the classroom is the best opportunity for some of the students to understand the material. And so when he said that, everybody was like, was kind of taken aback that he actually said that. So it's just, it's difficult with this certain professor. I guess it's just a different, I guess it's hard to transition from a high school teacher to a college professor in this oh, That is ex- exactly the big problem that everybody runs into, right? You run into where hey, we're going to be tested at the end of the year and this reflects on your performance and your bonus and salary. I think what a lot of students don't get is you could all fail and he still gets paid. Yeah. Right? You could all fail and they're not going to fire him. You got to figure out how you're going to make it work. Now, absolutely try and engage your professor, talk to him, ask some questions. But if that's not working, then you got to start checking out some of the other options that you have available to you, whether it be tutors or uh, upperclassmen that took that class or mentors that you just happen to run into. And they're just like, man, I love that dude. Oh, his class was amazing. And you're like, that's completely different from my experience. But maybe you can help me understand what he's trying to do, what he's trying to teach and how he does it his way. Because a lot of times I found there's just one little piece that I don't understand that they've been trying to explain all this time. And if I just get that from somebody, everything falls into place. So I'm happy to hear that you're getting in there with his office hours and you're asking him questions, but definitely uh, ask him who else might be able to help you. He may not be willing to say, this is my number one or this is my number two student or this student is getting an A because that's probably a privacy violation. But if you say, who should I talk to? Who else might be able to help me so that I'll take up as much of your time, right? Put it in his favor. Don't say, because you stupid and I can't understand what you're saying. Say, I, who else can help me so that I don't take up too much of your time? And he'll be like, you know what? I am tired of talking to some of these students. I need to free up some more time. In the back of his mind, I promise you, he's probably like, let me go do my research or let me go write my book or whatever it is else that I'm getting paid for. That's the primary thing that those professors get paid for is writing books, getting published, yeah. all of the things that getting publicity for the school in the in the professional circles. It's not, sadly, not a, a, a the average GPA in this class is not a reflection on what's going on now. Well, can I chime in? I mean, you hit it right on the head. So my sister, she actually she she attends uh, UCL. And we had a conversation about this a month ago. And normally you hit it right on the head. I'm glad you're saying that, not just for college or for people on this podcast. There's a difference. They're professors, not teachers. You know, and actually, as you start getting more into your core courses, these people are getting paid to do research. Like the gentleman who actually got me a work study at the National Laboratory at Florida State, he's trying to make sure he's getting grants. You know, so he's not as concerned about if you don't understand the material. Now, some professors go above and beyond and can develop a one-on-one relationship. But like Norman stated, 
that's not the reason why they're getting paid. Or they're thinking, I'm about to go on sabbatical at the end of the semester, so I'm not really trying to kill myself over that. Versus when you're in high school, they are a teacher. And so one point I just want to address on, I know you're, you're going into a new world that is really teaching you this is a great topic for time management because there's so many options you can do with your schedule now. You don't have that strict 7.30 to 2.45. You're like, hey, I can choose to get in by 8, be done by 12, or get in at 12, be done by 4. But I just want to challenge you and the listeners of this podcast, for lack of better words, I'm going to call it BS on when people say they don't have time to go to his class or go to his office hours. The reason why I say that, people find time for the things they value. For example, you will see, you will start seeing friends disappear because they're going to start pledging. You know, they become IGs, all of a sudden they're gone. So they find time to still somehow go to class and still pledge for some organization. Or you'll have people who make sure that they can go to this club or go to this party or go somewhere for spring break. People find time for the things that they value. So each student needs to ask themselves that question. Do I really value my education and my academics or do I just value the college experience? And you will see as you start going from semester to semester, if um, your major has already been chosen, people are going to start dropping out real fast because they're not going to really get a degree. They're just going to say, oh, I go to this university. And the alternative on that is even if his office hours are at 2 o'clock and you say, hey, I have another class that's at 2 o'clock and I can't make it, which is probably the only valid excuse that they're going to accept. You're going to say, hey, I've got another class at 2 o'clock. Is there any other time that you and I can have a conversation? A lot of those times, those professors will tell you, hey, come at 10 a.m. or come for the 30 minutes right before class because I'm already going to be here anyway. And because you asked, I can now make myself available for that. But I'm not going to publicize that because they value their time and they're trying to do some other things. But if you come one-on-one, come to their class, send them an email. Some other professors are crazy enough to give their cell phone numbers to the students. You call them, whatever it is, contact them and find out when else you might be able to get together with them, when you might be able to have that conversation. Thank you. I'll try that. Any other questions? Like a follow-up question to that one or a different one? Everything else is fine in my classes. It's just that math class that's yeah, yeah, that math class well, definitely a struggle. You're, you're going to find some professors that challenge you. The one memorable professor I have was for calculus, too. I mean, I don't, it's by the grace of God, I actually got through that class. And I remember one time I studied really hard. Who's ever listening to this podcast? Man, I'm like, man, he sucks. I don't even know how he graduated. But uh, I studied for three days straight and earned an F. I mean, I earned that elf. I worked hard, 72 hours straight for that elf. And I like cried myself to sleep uh, when I got home to my apartment. But what I'm saying, why I remember this professor, he was just a very difficult professor and that he would really challenge you. He used to work for IBM and develop all this software and stuff. And so we had one time we had um, a chapter that had 100 questions. So he was like, we're just going to do the number game here. He said, for example, pick number five, you do every fifth problem. Pick number three, you do every third problem. He was like, I honestly believe in the number one. So mind you, we had his class on Monday. He said, so by Wednesday, I want you to do all these hundred questions, and then it'll be turned in at the beginning of class. And we're like, oh, that's funny. 
It's like, I'm not laughing. And so that's how hard he drove us. I can't complain to anybody. That's his course. I'm not going to say, you know, well, that's unrealistic because I don't even know calculus and you make me do a hundred questions, all these intervals, and I have other classes, but you know, that sometimes you would just run into professors like that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you keep going is ultimately the bottom line. You're going to make it. There may be a class that you get a C in or a B in when you're trying to strive for that 4.0. But you keep you keep making it work. You keep striving. You keep going. You end up being uh, a professional, making money, looking back on things and trying to tell folks about how you made it through. And, you know, as Prince just gave us three examples of where it was you, you earned a what? Yeah. Right. After, after you worked all that, why is it even worth it? And I don't think a lot of folks understand, like. Some professors think you come to college just to learn, but ultimately all of us only go to college to be able to make money mm-hmm. and earn a living and move out of mama and daddy's house. So you got to, you got to keep making it happen. Uh, the GPA thing, you know, as Prince just outlined, that's some professors that just have that reputation. So now as you move forward, you didn't really get to pick your professors and classes because you were, were your first semester. But as you go forward now, if you got multiple options on professors, you need to start figuring out who it is that you want to take your take that class with, because that's going to impact your GPA, which is going to ultimately impact how much money you make coming out. Yeah. So you definitely want to check that out. There's some websites where you can go. Um, I forget the name of it. I want to say it's RateMyProfessors.com. I'll check it out later and uh, confirm. But a lot of people basically do like Yelp or Google Maps and they give reviews on the professors and talk about how the professor um, really wasn't fair or they give them three stars out of five or five out of five. So now you have people that went and took the class already and can give you information saying whether this professor is somebody you want to take or not. And here's something that's going to help you now and when you actually go to corporate America. One of my mentors taught me, he said, every meeting that you go into when you're in corporate America, you're being watched. It's like, uh, in a sense, an interview. So it's like, you always have to make sure you're sharp, make sure you're prepared, because every meeting, you're being rated. And so where am I going with that? Mm-hmm. Every time you go into the class, you're being rated. So ultimately, mm-hmm. when you go in the classroom, I want you to start scouting people. Because once you start getting your quizzes and you're getting your exams back, if they're on a curve, you're going to see who are the curve killers. He's like, man, he only gave us like a two-point curve. What's going on? That signal, somebody is doing extremely well in that class that he can't even give you any more allowance, any grace. So now you can start seeing, okay, this person, this click, I need to start association, associating myself with them because obviously they know how to tackle the material better than I do. Then also it'll give you a gauge on the other end. These people slack off a lot, so when I'm in the library, make sure I'm not there during the time they're there because they're going to bog me down because they're just going to wait to the last minute right before the exam. Hey, Kyle, what did you study? How did you do this? And he's like, I don't have time for that. I have to sharpen myself up. So when you start going to these classes, really try to identify who are the people who are the high performers. And you may be the high performer in that class, but try to still – link yourself up with the next high performer. So make sure y'all constantly sharpen each other throughout the semester. 
Ultimately, you're going to want to build a routine in for how you do each week. So obviously your classes are already set. I got class from 9 to 11 on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I got class from 2 to 3 on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Whatever your schedule happens to be, you you put on your planner, whatever schedule, however you schedule your week out. This is when I go to class. This is when I go to work. This is when I study. This is when I have fun. You always want to definitely make sure you leave some time in for fun. But you got to block those times out so that when somebody says, hey, let's go to the party on Thursday at eight o'clock. And you're like, oh, I got to I got to examine this Friday. Now, it's not the last party that will ever happen at your campus. I promise you, there's probably one every third night over, <laughs> at, over at Spelman, Morehouse, the whole Atlanta scene. You don't even have to go to a party on campus. I'm sure there's parties off campus that you can go to. Right. So if you prioritize your days. What you're going to do in 30 minute blocks or whatever it is every morning, you say, OK, this is what I got to do. This is how much I have to do it. You write down the seven things that you got to do that day. And you say, I need to do this homework. Don't just write do homework. Put 30 minutes beside it or 45 minutes so whatever, you know, your best guess on what it's going to take to do the homework. I got to put 30 minutes in on this every day. There was a young lady I went to school with. Her name was Miriam. And Miriam was one of those individuals like Prince that would be in bed at 10 o'clock every day and my dumb butt was always harassing her. I'd forget about people going to sleep that early and I'd knock on her door at 1130. She'd answer with the with the eye mask covering her, covering <laughs> her eyes because that's how she would sleep. And I was just like, oh, I forgot that you go to sleep at 10 o'clock. All right. Because I never went to sleep until four o'clock. Mm. My, my first semester, maybe my first two semesters, I'd be up till three or four o'clock almost every night doing work, playing video games, going to the gym, eating fried chicken at one o'clock in the morning. I had no business eating fried chicken at one o'clock in the morning on French fries. But I'd be up till four o'clock every every morning, basically. I was about to say every night, but it really is every morning. And then I'd have to get up and go to class at eight o'clock. So I was doing all of this, coming home, taking naps in the middle of the day, in between classes, wherever I could get it. But I was so sleep deprived that when the weekend came, I couldn't stay awake. I was embarrassing the snot out of my my cousins that I used to go. I used to go hang on, on the weekends with my cousins. And I remember getting four hours of sleep was that five nights a week. So 20 hours of sleep over five days yeah. when most folks are getting almost 40 hours of sleep, uh, or at least that's the recommendation. I'd get to their house on the weekend and I couldn't stay awake. I was just, I'd sleep on a couch. I slept on the floor. I slept like wherever I happened to be sitting is where I fell asleep. And it was embarrassing because I, they were like deacons at their church. So I'd go to their church and I could not stay awake in the middle of church. I'm falling asleep. And I, I was catching what I call church seizures, right? So I'm, I'm starting to fall asleep and I catch myself and I jump up and shake. <laughs> And I was just like looking around to make nobody make sure nobody saw that I was sleeping. Um, I just if I had done a better job that first semester or two of budgeting out my time, like, OK, this is really what I need to do instead of staying up till four o'clock in the morning and trying to study for the exam. That was at eight o'clock. I could have been studying at six o'clock, but instead I was hanging out on campus, running around, seeing what everybody else was doing, playing card games, playing dominoes, whatever it was that I could get into because I was just I'm away 
I don't have to be mama and daddy don't tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. So I was not being very good with my time. I've learned, you know, I learned later during my my uh, college career that what I needed to do differently, setting aside, setting some uh, time aside. So I'd every week we'd have the same study times with certain study groups. So we'd reserve the study room. And every week we knew, okay, on Wednesdays at seven o'clock, we're going to get together for 90 minutes and we're going to work through this homework. Working on your homework inside your dorm room by yourself is boring and you don't want to do it. And you know, like, oh, I could watch CSI or I could turn to a music music station or jump on Netflix, whatever it is. Um, I can do something and distract myself. But when you're in the middle of a room with seven people that are all doing their work, it's a lot more motivating, number one. And number two, you got six other people you can ask for help. So that's one of the tricks that I used to take advantage of was, okay, we're going to have these study groups at this time. This is what we're going to do. That way, I wasn't waiting to the last minute all the time anymore. Wrapping up this episode, I wanted to make sure you had the right resources. I had the correct website when I mentioned RateMyProfessors.com earlier. Make sure you check out this website before you register for classes each semester. It will help you figure out which professors to sign up for and which ones to avoid, if at all possible. Prince highlighted briefly a concept that some people refer to as the rocks, pebbles, and sand of life. I will share a short two-minute video on social media for you to watch if you're not familiar with this illustration. It's a great reminder of how you need to prioritize your life spending time on the most important things first. Download next week's episode to hear the rest of Prince's advice on managing your priorities and professors. Thanks for listening to our show this week. If you want to learn more or listen to other episodes, you can go to riseupmentoring.com slash podcast. If you have an idea for an episode that you'd like to hear or have a suggestion for who I should interview, hit me up on Twitter at RiseUpMentors or on Facebook and Instagram at RiseUpMentoringUS. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider helping us spread the word by sharing our podcast on social media or writing a review for us on iTunes or wherever you find our podcast. I'm Norman Brown, and you've been listening to the Rise Up Mentoring Podcast. <laughs>